Welcome to the long overdue 14th edition of Cult Following. Find us online at cultfollowing.co. Subscribe to us on iTunes at Cult Following. We come to you every couple of weeks from the people who bring you Cult Classics AZ here in Tempe, your favorite films on the big screen. CultClassicsAZ.com for details. I'm one of your three hosts for today, Victor Marino, along with to my left, Kirby Nelson. Yes. And our engineer and go-to guy, Adam Rutkowski. Hello. Today, we will be talking about 2015, the half year in review. Not to be confused with the half man, Tyrion Lannister. No Game of Thrones spoilers on this podcast. I don't know about that. Uh, but, yes, there have been a lot of good movies this year, and we're going to talk about them thus far to the midpoint. Halfway on our path to Mordor, as a hobbit might say. I'm, I'm told that I have hobbit feet. Oh, they're I, not they're not big, but I got like the you know the little hairs, and because my my fingers are kind of short and square, my toes are kind of that way too. Hmm. So I don't I hate sandals, especially on men. I hate sandals. I hate too. men's feet, yeah. but I kind of like mine. But I don't wear sandals. This I have like my little flippy floppy thingies with the little things that go over the thing, but nothing in between the toes. Mm. I like socks. I'm a socks guy. So this will be like on the cult following Instagram. These yes. hot pictures of your feet. Yes. For all the fetish it <laughs> out there. Yes. Sweet. Just want to make sure. Feets. My precious feet. <sighs> there, there's, a, there's a fetish for everything. Yeah. There's. I saw a band last night from Spain and... Uh, I really, really thought the the guy, because I didn't know who he was, the leader of the band, was just some homeless dude in, like, jorts and socks and sandals, but he actually was the vocalist of a brutal death metal band. He was also quite a bit older. I mean, he had to have been in, like, his late 40s, early 50s, it looked like. Well, at that time, and especially you've been singing with a death metal band, you need to have comfy clothes. Probably, yes. It does help when I'm Did on he have a really well-developed neck from all the screening? Screaming? No. The uh, the king of the necks is most of them are the bodybuilding guys, but I would say George Corpse Grinder is probably the greatest neck in <laughs> death metal and music history. Greg from Dillinger Escape Plan is pretty incredible, but he's kind of like a juice head, I guess. But uh, but George is purely from headbanging. I mean, it's, it's a sight. He is, he is just like... It's just, I don't want to say massive because then this is going to become some soundbite taken out of context. So, <laughs> God but, uh, but it was interesting Plan on, on, oiled. on the shorts and sandals debate, but, or yeah. discussion. Well, now that we've gone through those interesting asides, I guess we should start this as we do most of our uh, forays into the world of film and film criticism. Uh, what have you guys been watching lately? Well, I guess it's the topic of our whole podcast, but uh, especially lately, let's say in the past week or two. Uh, oh, the past week or two. I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> what do you think, Adam? Well, I mean, because really, the, the, I, I said the last time that we had an in-house podcast was right before the Avengers came out. Yeah, that's Ultron. right. It's been... And, you know, the, as time has been going on, and then I've been making my, my list of the stuff that I've been seeing since then. It's a and how big it, list. It's an impressive I can see list, it from here. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, and, and um, all the stuff that we've been busy with, with Mad Monster and Phoenix Comic Con, and, um, and now that we're back, I look at my list. And I, you know, I just want to kind of just like 
chop it up into like tiny little nougats because i don't think there's like even stuff that's some of this stuff isn't even worth mentioning anymore like i just mentioned the avengers but i that's something that i leave off the list mm. because now it just kind of seems passe like if they wanted to know our opinion about the avengers i'm sure they would have wanted to know about it at the time that it came out around around the well, same you could just do time. your um like your summer blockbuster review because We've got a few now out of the way. We've got Avengers, mm-hmm. Mad Max, uh, Jurassic World this past weekend. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think we can so run that's, yeah, that's, that's See, I'd forgotten I'd even watched Mad Max. It tells you a crazy Oh, I my am. gosh. I saw it twice. Yeah. So, you and I saw it together yeah. uh, with Ruby in 2D. Yes. And we enjoyed it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, after weeks and weeks of me talking about everybody talking about Mad Max Fury Road, uh... My wife woke me up on a Saturday morning, said, when are we going to go see it? When are we going to go see it? That's my wife's voice, my version of my wife's voice. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think she likes that. But um, I said, well, what, the, what was the change of heart? And it wasn't until her, well, all of her girlfriends have just been saying, you know, that they've been dragged to it by, you know, their boyfriends, husbands, whatever, significant others, girlfriends. And th- they've just were falling in love. They're like, oh, I couldn't believe how great this was. So then she wanted to go see it. I said, well, you don't have to convince me. You don't have to ask me twice. Yes, we're going. So then I saw it again in in 3D. Um, And I tell you, just like that thing, when you you walked out, when you mentioned the guitar Mm -hmm. would probably look really cool in 3D. Yeah, that was like the best. Yeah, I figured as much. Yeah, that was just so great. Um, So I don't know if it's better in 2D or 3D. I like 3D. Some people don't. But um, I prefer to see stuff in 3D if it's in 3D. I can take it or leave it. So, so, so far this year, I think Mad Max has been my favorite. Um, Avengers, I liked Avengers, but I I wasn't um, head over heels over it. Uh, And Jurassic World, we saw this over this last weekend. Oh, you did see that. I haven't seen that. Um, I checked it out, too. We went to... um, You can spoil it. I don't care. There's nothing really to spoil. Yeah. The the AMC Esplanade. So we went to the Fork and Spoon, which is kind of as close as you're going to get to the Alamo Draft House here in Phoenix. Um, And it was was okay. It was an okay place. Uh, Jurassic World, I I don't know if I could recommend it. Um, if you've seen the trailers, you've pretty much know what to expect and you've kind of pretty much already seen the movie. I wasn't, I was a big fan of the first Jurassic Park two and three. I, it just progressively got worse. Jurassic World is probably the second best of all of those, but that's really not saying a whole lot because I didn't really care for two or three. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of get the vibe like Jurassic World, at least um, from what I've been seeing, it, it a lot of people are treating it kind of the way um, when Phantom Menace came out in regards to Star Wars. Like it's it's you know shattered the Avengers record for biggest opening weekend. Right. You know because uh, I I think most people watching uh, Jurassic World were probably not born when Jurassic Park came out and maybe toddlers when two and three came out. Mm-hmm. So for them, it's like a chance to like oh yeah right. relive, relive that nostalgia you know i mean i shared a story where um on on my facebook page where i was at uh the grocery store the other day and some guy was like oh are you into movies yeah oh you should check out jurassic world looks so good and i was like yeah you saw the first one i don't feel the need to see it again and like, the guy was like oh there was a first jurassic world oh no <laughs> i you don't so, even know what to say to that. Like, I, I didn't. I, I was just like, okay. That, that's literally like a dumbfounded 
So what is it about this one? Because this is because you just said that you were at a store and someone asked you if you're going to see Jurassic World. Did they know who you were? No, no, nothing. It was just like a random question. Yeah, I was wearing like a like a movie shirt. Sure. So I've been at Target a couple times in the last few weeks. I mean, we probably go at least once a week just to pick up essentials. Um, You are white, so yeah, that does make sense. (laughs) Right. Both times. They've asked me if I'm going to see Jurassic World. I wasn't buying anything, but, you know, th- th- just whatever random thing. I mean, in all honesty, I kind of get the feeling Jurassic World is the only movie coming out this summer that actually has that, like, oh, this is the blockbuster of the summer you're supposed to watch. Yeah. Well, Mad Max is rated R. Well, I mean, so, my whole, true. yeah, Mad Max is rated R and Avengers came out so early. Right. And there's not really anything after, like jurassic world i mean i guess ant-man's coming up but from what i understand that's like tracking way on the down low Mm -hmm. like it'll do okay you know but it's not going to be guardians of the galaxy and i kind of feel like jurassic world is this summer's guardians of the galaxy but not as good no but i mean in terms of like how they're how they're marketing it yeah like oh i I liked chris pratt and guardians of the galaxy this is like the this year's chris pratt blockbuster movie i need to Mm -hmm. see because all they have really with ant-man is go well it's paul rudd you know him you love him and that (laughs) kind of thing and really like acknowledging it's very self-referential it's like well yeah it's a stupid name like you know it's uh you know because there's a lot of you know now that they're mining we've talked about in the previous comic book episodes that they pretty much now are are mining the the archives to find anything that could be considered marketable mm-hmm. yeah. or finding a way to um use some kind of cinematic alchemy yeah. to make it worthwhile and at this point i think everybody's pretty much aware that 2016 is the year that like you know gonna that blockbusters are gonna destroy everyone's wallet like there's like a tent pole there's one or two tent pole movies every single week for all of 2016 pretty much i think i saw it was an empire magazine that they had uh just reading a store and i think they had that 10 polls are now up to 2025 and that it's they pretty much believe in the next two years it's going to be up to 2030 that they're already going to have established everything staked out that this is where we're going to be and it's like yeah, it's but that's a kind of where crazy. they're going. Well, because they're, because that the other some other article I read was you know about a huge debate about whether or not you know people go I want something new, fresh, and original, but that's not actually what's selling. No, that's right? what I'm saying. So, like, yeah. Ant Man is the closest thing to an original movie I guess left this summer, from what I understand, and he, and that's not tracking like super high. You know, I, good it, point. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I to me, I'm I. I'm not really interested to see Jurassic World. I mean, but to be honest, I'll I'll tell you, I remember very vividly the weekend that Jurassic Park came out. Um, No, the week after, uh, my dad, like, you know, oh, what movies do you guys want to see? And, like, I went to go see Super Mario Brothers. (laughs) And then uh, we still stuck around. And then I'm like, do you want to see Jurassic Park now? Nope. So then I went to go see Last Action Hero. Wow. So I deliberately did not see Jurassic Park when I was a kid because I was not really that into dinosaurs then. Huh. Yeah. 
I still liked Super Mario Brothers a lot. I saw that movie. That twice one did have dinosaurs, so you not really. Set. Yeah, I mean, I you know, you weren't expecting to see dinosaurs when you saw Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> that was like, what is going on here? You know, and I didn't think the princess was cute. I did like Bob Hoskins as Mario. I thought, why doesn't Luigi? Why does Luigi not have a mustache? You know, these are things a kid is looking at. You know, oh sure, yeah. You should listen to the to the riff tracks of super mario brothers because the whole time they're going so oh yeah i remember this part in the video game when uh they leave the adopted princess at the orphanage with the little (laughs) crystal oh yeah i totally remember playing that part but they do that throughout the whole thing well it's it's like it's not very canon you know exactly it's it's like one of the things like uh the other day where you know you're talking about your your the videos your friend made it's like uh there's a base stuff yeah yeah, and like uh oh look this is just a completely different script that they just stamped the thing on i mean that could very easily have been super mario brothers because it doesn't really have anything to do with the game yeah. yeah, well, and that, I mean, we could one of these days do a whole video game, especially as it's currently E3 right now uh, is going on. But I mean, I think that it's interesting in that era that we grew up in with like video game movies. I mean, I remember going and seeing The Wizard and being like so excited because <laughs> just seeing actual video bluff. games. Yeah, yeah. And, and just seeing stuff. I mean, like Super Mario Brothers was the first real full on like, you know, video game franchise movie. And, I mean, it really, it just blew me away. I never actually got to see it in the theater. It went out too fast. And this is when movies used to stay in the theater forever. Yeah. So, it was, like, it was hard to see. But, I mean, you know, same thing. I remember, like, looking all over for Double Dragon, hoping it was, you know, like, I could see it eventually. And I didn't have, like, uh, I only had basic cable at the time. Mm -hmm. So, it was hard to see a lot of those movies. But, I mean, you know, you look back and nowadays, I mean, I can't even imagine making, like, a video game movie with the amount of, like, OCD you know like crazy like fan fandom but um i think even that extends though to like a movie like obviously like jurassic world you know we peppered the whole film with references to you know the first movie especially it's like yeah, they did. and i'm like yeah it basically was a reboot that's i mean or uh, you know a reimagining of the original film i mean it even has i mean the character types are all the same uh it just except for not enough jeff goldblum i mean you know chris pratt basically takes on the sam neill dr grant uh um ian malcolm like yeah. uh identities full on like in in one person do they show uh, sir richard attenborough's character at all in jurassic world as a statue as yeah, a, sta- a statue okay, I and a lot about and that. quite a few references like uh you oh, know there's a lot of references a lot of references to him in his work but the biggest part i think with the whole film though is just that it's like you know if someone asked me i saw it i actually got to see it in 3d it's interesting oh quick make a point on the 3d thing mad max was really good in 3d mm-hmm. like i actually enjoy it but i haven't enjoyed a 3d film in years i saw creature from the black lagoon in 3d on original print 1958 and i mean it was better than most modern 3d films for me i mean i'd say that in friday the 13th part three and house of wax are my favorite 3d movies mm-hmm. like i just don't care anymore but I would say that Mad Max is really good. Jurassic World is like a lot of films. I could have just come and gone with anything. But the one thing I will say that I thought I had the spirit, and that would probably be my first one, I guess, because I'm a gorehound, was it was really visceral. I mean, there was a ton of blood and guts, like way more than I expected. I- Not as good because it wasn't 
practical effects right but i would say the and, and it wasn't as intense as the first film like the build-up and the mm-hmm. the um you know really feeling like in danger but and then it went full on godzilla at the end that i enjoyed well, too there's, but there's a couple different points on that that without spoilers though oh i don't care there might be some little mild spoilers but you'll forget them by the time you see the movie it's a forgettable the, movie the the thing is is that um they address the fact that it's 20 years later and people need something more and bigger and badass. So it's like a meta commentary on blockbusters. Well, it's yeah, it's it's a, it's a way of like saying to the to the audience that we're going to like give you yeah, bigger this monsters. This is the monster truck version of Jurassic we're Park. We're giving you the sequel that you should have had from Jurassic Park 1. This mm. is what the the second one should have been, kind of thing. Okay, um, true. Then there's that whole thing with um, with uh, Dallas Bryce's Howard's um, assistant. Uh, it's Jessica Chastain. They look exactly the same. Okay, <laughs> it's Bryce Dallas Howard. Uh, Bryce, but, whatever. Yeah, you know, three names. It hey, all. I know you're out. a huge Lay in the Water fan, so it's okay. <laughs> you should know this by now. I actually like that movie, but. The, her her assistant in the film brutal i like got i just read i just read an article about this on birth movies death by the way yeah no and I, and, I, and I read it too yeah. when you when you posted that but you know but i was thinking like in the theater i'm like okay this just seems very strange now it could have gone in two two different directions the reason why they did it is either to maybe show the the brutal the real brutality that can happen in a park because you didn't really connect with her like some films you'll just have like some uh, nothing specifically is coming to mind but i have seen films where they will go after um uh, a character and and just do something that's just like oh my gosh oh my gosh oh, it's they, like, it they feels like, like samuel L. jackson and deep lucy well that came out no that was just that was just shocking, shocking. okay Spoiler. but i'm talking i'm talking more so of something <laughs> like in, you haven't seen deep lucy yet. now now i will point out one that just popped my brain saving private ryan when um have you both seen it uh, yes, yeah, many times. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, what's his name? Jonathan? Is it Jonathan Silverman? Who, who's there? I don't remember. It's been a long time. It's since been I've a long seen time, it. though. Yeah. So yeah, but there is a point in the film where it's a, it's kind of like a hand to hand combat. They they kind of the um you know I don't know if it's a, a you know the German and then the American they they kind of run into each other by accident, like in in this um in like a building, and it comes to where they're like kind of grappling on the floor, mm-hmm. and we got to know this this American kid, and he's he's getting stuck with a knife, and he's just like no 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 like I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. Yeah. But he kills him. Spoiler alert. And it's just like, oh, Jesus Christ. That's like so like in your face. It feels so real. Whereas like this thing with this assistant felt more real than like anything else that, that happened because it was just one thing after the next. Whereas you have Steven Spielberg. Now, if he was to do a scene like that, he would have a little bit more fun with it in in a certain way it would seem more grandiose instead of more like like brutal and 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 visceral and mm-hmm. ugly yeah i i don't know it was just one of those ones without it felt going off. too much more into it i mean i just feel like it got back to that spirit a little bit more which is fun but i would say if you want to talk about any of the commentary in this film without giving it away was definitely about modern especially parental culture and consumerism of how 
you know, basically, because it's really, it's not, but, you know, they have the full-on Triceratops kitty park ride, like, right. and petting zoos with, you know, dinosaurs and stuff like that. And it's, it, it's completely, I mean, you know, you look, you're in an era of, like, bear selfie and tiger selfie, and every time I see that, I'm like, oh, please, just, just fucking kill him. That's all I want. I mean, just dismember him, because, I mean, besides that, I'm a really diehard, like, animal activists and stuff like that but it's also because of this idea that people are like we it's like the worst idea of like ownership and dominion is is that like we we own this that was probably my favorite part i mean i don't think i've cheered that much in that respect in a way but not the same as it was during like rise of planet of the apes but it's like real similar for me it's like you want to see bad things happen not only to people who are really messing with nature but also because it's like it's it's really abusive and that you know they didn't go full bore it was not preachy or anything like that right it's just kind of fun and that was in old monster movies too old uh um especially in the 70s with all the animal attack kind of films mm-hmm. you know you're you know like star with jaws and stuff i mean i i always think of films like you know prophecy and day uh day of the animals and stuff like that that were pretty brutal in spots so right. yeah but uh what else you got oh uh i'm sure everyone else will mention kingsman uh great movie and uh ex machina oh yeah has ex- everyone had a chance yeah, to see I've that ex machina did uh, you get your copy in i know yeah, you ordered it overseas yeah i ordered my copy of ex machina from the uk so i already got my region b blu-ray of it you know although now that uh mondo's doing a uh canadian steelbooks and i'm gonna have to import that from canada naturally (laughs) i actually just got my blu-ray of uh blood diner in from germany today as well as my uh the 3d blu-ray of cemetery man which i'm very interested in checking out but um yeah no i haven't seen that one yet so feel free though oh, if yeah. you guys want i mean without with i mean really there's there's nothing to, to spoil about it mostly my my comment about it is it's one of the better um ai films that i've seen because you've seen a lot, a lot of those time. i mean i know you saw automata and you didn't like that uh, yeah no it was just so derivative yeah and uh, i didn't chappy, see chappy chappy was just terrible and derivative and annoying um so it was just nice to see something that's you know that's, i'm reading that by the way as like a like your marquee review of it derivative yeah boring yeah just uh, awful yeah, yeah no That's i thought i thought oscar isaacs was very good in this movie mm-hmm. um like I, I i guess the way i would compare it is like um if you've seen blade runner and uh you know that um uh dr tyrell spends all that time in his penthouse away from people pretty much mm-hmm. i imagine like uh if they did a modern <laughs> version Bonk. if they did a modern version of blade runner this is like this is what dr tyrell did as a young man yeah you know and it's it's one of those movies that has you know okay it's a it's a slow burn i'm gonna i'm gonna take that from kirby's uh one of his descriptions that yeah like, but uh yeah. i mean the dialogue in here is just it's so good it's yeah uh, it's i little, mean alex garland is one of my favorite writers like he wrote pretty much all of danny boyle's good movies like 28 right oh yeah that's later, right yeah, it was, the beach yeah. and uh whatchamacallit uh sunshine, sunshine. Yeah. yeah all all of which are some of my favorite movies but then like oscar isaac's like t- he plays like this uh basically this mishmash of like mark zuckerberg and the guy who and steve jobs and the guy who owns google who owns like a massive complex where he's developing 
AI, but he's an asshole. You know, so when he meets the he's, he's cocksure. Yeah, you know, and he spends a lot of time with himself because he has you know the wealth and such to do that. But um, you could tell like uh when he, he interacts with the you know the main guy played by Domino Gleason, uh, you know he he just treats him very tersely. And then there's a part where like um Domino Gleason is trying to use the phone, but you need a special card to use the phone, and like Oscar Isaac's is like, who are you gonna call? Huh? Who are you gonna call? Like, I'm just trying to use the phone. Like, who are you gonna call? It's Ghostbusters. Haven't you seen that movie? Where Dan Aykroyd has a ghost give him a blowjob? <laughs> and I just died laughing because, like, who the hell would describe Ghostbusters as, you know, that movie where Dan Aykroyd gets a blowjob from a ghost? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, yeah so no, I, I really, really want to see it. I mean, I, like I think yeah. of the corginess. Yeah, but yeah, all the, the there's like weird dialogue, and there's like great scene involving dancing. I don't want to spoil. Yeah, too no much. more yeah, spoilers. I mentioned, but yeah. the one thing when I saw the trailer, which you know was very um, limited in what it showed. Yeah, the one thing I liked about it or had it, you know, really uh, piqued my interest was that it looked really isolation. Or it like you know one oh, yeah, like that's a, lab a big or part a of the home, plot. you know like one facility and stuff yes. you know and I always like films that can do something with a a limited sets or you know what I mean mm-hmm. like a uh, one place but I also kind of I've always been a huge um Doctor Moreau kind of fan and I kind of got a there little is, bit of that yeah there's from definitely that, that vibe so yeah. I kind of was interested in it for that so I'll report on when I see it here cool mm-hmm. How about you, Victor? Oh, I'm not talking about anything oh, else anymore. Oh, you got Okay. Yeah, um, let me think. Not unless, you know, you guys yeah. are thirsty for more. I still got more on <laughs> no, my list. I saw, like I said, I saw Ex I mean, Machina. Later. That's probably my favorite movie I've seen uh, this summer. I saw Avengers, obviously. I mean, I, I can't, to me, Avengers is like one of those movies I guess you have to see. Like, just like, okay, this is part of the discussion from now on. You know, but it, it I, to me, it didn't feel at all special. Like, to me, like Captain America, the Winter Soldier felt like, oh, this is a good movie. I got to go out of my way to see. Or you, in Guardians of the Galaxy is like that. But like Avengers Age of Ultron feels very much like this is a movie you need to see to understand all the other uh, Marvel movies going forward. It's just like a foundation yeah, builder. Well, that's kind of what they do now. Yeah. Well, and I think I think he, I think one of the expectations that this one had for me was going to be the culmination of all the other one shots. So you had like like Thor, Dark World. You had um, your Captain America, Winter Soldier. I thought everything was going to converge into Age of Ultron. Nah, but it didn't. It didn't nah. necessarily do that because that's what the first Avengers did. Is it? Is it took all the the single character films? Yeah. and brought it all into the Avengers. Yeah. Whereas this was kind of what you know. I've heard that's more like you know Iron Man Two syndrome or you know. I something would say of that out of all of them, this movie, like I, if you called Avengers Two Iron Man Four, like I would think that actually would be pretty true. Because, like, there's no more Iron Man movies, but this very much felt like this is the Tony Stark with the Avengers movie. Um, like, it, you know, Thor 2 ends with a cliffhanger that is not addressed in uh, 
Avengers 2 at all. Right. You know, so like, so pretty much Thor, you know, he's just in this movie for some reason. Which, which are they going to do, going to continue on? With yeah, Ragnarok? I assume so. But like I think it's funny because apparently they had filmed some scenes with Loki in Avengers 2, which right. like would have really negated like Thor 2 altogether, I feel like. Um, and uh, apparently, like, the Avengers have spent all that time between Avengers 1 and Avengers 2 hunting down S.H.I.E.L.D. Or hunting down HYDRA, which I watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And, like, really a lot of it, it didn't jive with the TV show. So, I mean, if you're going to have the TV show tie-in, I feel like that needs to be stronger. Um, and I, I'll, I'll say, too, like, yeah, it pretty much just felt like a setup for Black Panther, Captain America 3, and uh, in humans, you know, just like a same movie, same movie, same movie. And I think the thing that I walked out in the end thinking was um, like Quicksilver and X Men: Days of Future Past was much more interesting than the Avengers Duh. Quicksilver, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like it, it was very bizarre too because I guess they like they overpowered Quicksilver in Avengers Two to like an insane degree where his power they like they couldn't tell if he was teleporting or not. Mm. Uh, you know, so I'm like, so basically, at you know, a power imbalance. You know, and then at the end, he gets you know killed in such an idiotic way it's just like oh we need to kill Spoiler somebody alert. everybody's seen it now i don't care <laughs> they well, should no, have brought in the, it, at that point they should have brought in nightcrawler yeah oh god i want nightcrawler so bad like who doesn't yeah. want nightcrawler but i mean it, to me that was like the thing i guess like i, I just thought oh marvel movies are so much better than these fox ones like no like man they just killed it with like quicksilver and dexman days of future past is so much better than the one from the marvel universe right when I saw X2, my dick fully bamfed. Like, <laughs> I've never been so excited. Nightcrawler in all incarnations has always been my favorite. Yeah. I mean... Oh, and, and Alan Cummings. Yeah, well, I guess so he's in a, but, a new one that's coming out next yeah. year, Apocalypse. Right, yeah. But I just think they just... Yeah, when I saw H Ultron, I saw it for free, and I it almost felt like a chore. Like, is what I... Like, in the end came out, I was like... When it started, I was like, oh, this is... It's good because I really like the Avengers. It's like progressively I have more fun. Yeah, like, I saw Avengers, Avengers in the theater more than once. Yeah, I, I had see I Avengers had, too. I had a ton of fun with that. I had so much fun with Guardians of the Galaxy. I went and saw it. You know, it, I like I said, I think in one of our casts I said it was like a feel good movie, like mm-hmm. the real definition of that. Like why you like going and seeing movies and just enjoying it. And Avengers, I felt that like with all, Age of Ultron, I was like, if I never see this again, I'm totally okay with that. Like nothing interesting to me nothing and i i will go with the iron man 4 comparison as well and it just you know the only thing i was the only thing i could think about too is when the vision vision came aboard it was kind of like it totally reminded me of playing the old video game the uh the uh captain america game like it was just this like weird like i will say too about um vision that like i kind of feel like iron man 4 was like negative character growth for tony stark Mm -hmm. because at the end of iron man 3 he's like all right he gets his heart fixed and like him you know gets together with pepper and he's like you know there's a whole monologue where he like grows as a person he's with that kid and maybe that's all due to the script and then like iron man 4 it's like the exact same guy from like iron man 2 like this is you know the guy who spent all his time building suits because he was so scared of the ptsd he got from avengers 1 so basically they're like oh yeah we're just gonna skip you know, or 
no rather that happens at the beginning of iron man 3 but like basically yeah. it's like we're gonna skip the lesson he learned at the end of iron man 3 and right. we're just gonna keep him as like crazy ptsd guy who doesn't trust anybody mm-hmm. you know and then basically and then you have um god who's the guy who does the voice of ultron uh, James Spader. Spader and he's just basically doing like a bad impression of Tony Stark so basically it's Tony Stark versus Tony Stark mm-hmm. and then when Ultron shows up it's kind of like okay it seems cool for a second like when he's absorbing the traits but then all that ha- you would think Tony Stark would be a little bit more busted up about losing Jarvis because that's a big crux of Iron Man 3 that like he's afraid he's going to lose Jarvis and then no Jarvis is his own guy now so oh I'm just going to get a sassy uh, Irish chick AI replacement for him <laughs> and I, like when that happened I'm like you know it, to me I was thinking you mean he doesn't have like one that's like pepper so that at least that way you can have her kind of involved and that would make more sense to the character where we last left him there was just a lot of stuff where and then all the interviews Josh Sweden did afterwards where you could tell he was just like burnt out and like oh, yeah. it just like that's what I mean like Avengers 2 just kind of felt very paint by numbers well yeah and you, you could see where everything was just kind of falling apart in some places where either Josh didn't have you know full control like he wanted yeah and it was being manipulated and then that's when he just was like i give up fine just edit it throw it out i'm done yeah, yeah. well it's like the thing like uh the, the main thing i remember reading was like um how he had like shot all the stuff with um hawkeye on the farm mm-hmm. and then marvel didn't like him's like no we want more of these visions that thor is having in the mystical cave mm-hmm. and then basically he had to come to a compromise where he's like put that in or we'll cut out the farm and i'm like if you cut that out then hawkeye seems even more of like why the hell is he in this movie that all the farm stuff did was explain why hawkeye wasn't in captain america 2 or iron man 3 it's like he has his own life you know so i'm like okay all he did was fix a massive plot hole for you and now you're like kind of getting it on him for that for this stupid k vision scene uh with with um you know this doctor you know that i'm i'm sick of that character already <laughs> dr selwig i'm like yeah. yeah him and um the two broke girls chick cat dennings i don't really need to see them anymore mm-hmm. but like i guess that's just so they could have a I reason need to see more cat dennings well but that's fine you do whatever you want you know what i mean like no i, I know what you mean they you know they shoot you know because thor didn't have any reason to really be in this movie so they have mm-hmm. this whole thing that's like no we have to have that so we have Thor or someone in the Avengers realize that there's seven infinity gems and there's, you know, it's just there to set up another movie. Yeah, I just don't think they, I guess I that's what it is. It's, it's, it's kind of like the, the, this com the complexities of these movies and stuff. It's like, I still have never to this day. I know uh, what a shameful admission. That I still haven't watched game of Thrones, but I know like, you know, about it and about, the, I hear everybody dies. Yeah. That's pretty much what I've heard. So it's, you know, it's, you know, one of those types well, of they're at the, the undiscovered country now where the TV show is caught up to the books now. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it's like, I did read though, you know, read up on some George R. R. Martin stuff and, you know, like how he writes and things and that, you know, he has basically an individual who keeps all the oh, you'd have to. continuity oh, from the books, the show and all that together. Who's was like, was his like official fan webmaster or something. And that's interesting, but that's kind of like when you were talking about, and Victor was kind of doing that himself, like full on trying to line everything up. Yeah. Yeah. And that when, well, the first thing that went through my head is, is that that's where we've reached. I mean, because the internet is available and fans just go so completely nuts. Mm-hmm. And that's not the way I, I felt everything Victor said or, or that you mentioned as well and was totally fair criticism. I think it's that 
that's why I've grown tired of these movies. It's not only just a setup for everything, it's just such an overload. Like when X-Men came out or Spider-Man, a lot of the early, like the first 2000 to 2005 era uh, comic book films, some have a lot of flaws and stuff like that. Uh, you know, but overall, I was just so happy as a comic book kid to finally get to see us. And now I've reached a point, I'm like, I don't care how good the technology gets. I don't care about anything. They are, you know, just doing this thing. This is the way everything's going to be. It's all going to be, not because you can't create a rich world like a Game of Thrones or a Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's just that you can also, you know, when you lose sight of a good story Mm -hmm. and you characters you identify with and care about, which is exactly what happened in the Age of Ultron, I just don't care anymore. Well, that's that's what I mentioned, like, when we were doing the the Superhero Cinematic Mm -hmm. Universe episode is, and it, I, it, kind of shocked the room and like you know what i don't want to see any of these movies anymore i don't well, care yeah because harkins and amc like you know do these marathons of sequels oh, I just when a new one that. comes out and before avengers 2 like oh watch 11 films <laughs> before you watch avengers up. 2 and i'm like they, they don't do that for all of them for like it's for captain america it was like uh you could watch like captain america the first avenger um and I guess the Avengers, you know, it was like a couple movies, mm-hmm. you know, just like, oh, but like, I imagine by the time you get to Avengers three, which is like a year in 2017, you're, it's going to be 16 movies that that marathon will be before mm-hmm. Avengers, you know, cause you're going to have to have like, you know, Ant-Man and Captain America right. Civil mm-hmm. War and Thor 3. And you thought Lord of the Rings marathon was you know, arduous. Like, you're going to have to pay me to watch 16 movies in a row because that is that is goddamn insane, you know. And there's people that are going to do it. Yeah. Okay. So what else you got? That you got uh, you Poltergeist. Um, I saw Poltergeist and it is nowhere near as good as the original, clearly. Um Sam Rockwell is clearly, clearly, it, like, give him some cheese and eggs because he's hamming it up so hardcore, you could call it breakfast. But, man, it's just like, uh, the there's a kid in there, it's supposed to be like a Carol Ann version, whose name is Maddie. And, um, like, she disappears for half the movie, and they have to get, like, a go- like a TV, like, Ghostbuster guy to come help pull her back from the other side. It's like a weird mishmash of Poltergeist 1 and 2, because, like, the ghosts in the, over where the cemeteries need her to lead them to the other side. You know, so it's the Kane sub, the Kane yeah, plot the Kane without having Kane in the movie. And then, um... The girl looks like it's just like they they must have found like gone through it's like oh we need the most photogenic kid possible to the point where I kept joking where it's like this girl looks like she's made out of CGI and then they do all these scenes where she's floating or flying where she clearly is CGI so I'm like why even have this kid a real kid just have a CGI child because she doesn't <laughs> look normal and then I'm just gonna spoil like it's basically it's Poltergeist but they want it to be the Conjuring. Because basically, it has the guy who plays Lane Price on Game of Thrones, Jared Harris, and a girl, and you know his ex-wife, and they kind of team up to save her. And at the end, they have their own ghost-busting show where, like, the hashtag on the screen, because all TV social is this hashtag, this house is clean, and the wife is wearing the same outfit that uh, Tangina's wearing when you first meet her in the original Poltergeist. You know, it's just like. 
a mishmash of different movies, but they want it to be a conjuring type thing where we follow the couple around for future poltergeists. Uh-huh. Yeah, I would say when I watched it, the first 30 minutes, I was like, all right, I'm okay. I'll keep going. By the next hour and change that I got, I was just like, this is just atrocious. But like, you I mean, saw what I'm saying, right? No, How they basically were trying. Oh, yeah. They completely. The thing is, is that it's funny. And this is the one thing I'll say about Poltergeist and some other movies that have come around is, is that any horror fan and stuff in the the aughts the 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 2000 2010 i mean if you wanted to use some really slanderous language all you'd ever have to say is oh you totally platinum dunes it you know and now it's you as a complete bloom house or blum house or whatever that's like what it is now. I mean, they have inherited the crown from oh, where and it's see, that's become. The thing. This is a ghost house movie. So this oh, is Sam Raimi. Oh, sorry, ghost house. But I mean, because uh, I'm thinking of all these ones. Sorry, I thought yeah, it was no, I know what you mean. But you know what I mean? Like, and, and ghost house too is another one. And there's one other one that's like that. But I mean, it's like when like twisted pictures too. Like, yeah, that every film was like a saw collector thing. I mean, I, I you know, like I said, with horror. Um, you know, fans, but I mean, I do think that it, it, it almost ties back in this conversation we just had about superheroes, so I don't want to get back into that, but where it is, like Victor is saying, that is the best point, is, is that we need, not only every studio is going to go, we need to be able to set up some sequels, but in this case, like, it is so explicitly done, like, there's yeah. nothing nothing covered up, it's not like, oh, hey, we're going to drop a little hint at the end, that, you know, you might know that, hey, maybe something else is going to happen, or we could carry on without being too overt about it, now it's just like, yeah, it's right there, and, and of course they did, they threw in, which is fine that they threw in, like, a whole Ghost Hunters kind of you well, know, yeah, because it's there. They it saw how much money The Conjuring made, and like, we want our own Conjuring, you know? And they don't want to fall. They like, because, yeah, basically, Poltergeist is Poltergeist 1 and 2 mishmashed. Nobody died. There's no practical scares at all down to the tree thing being yeah. ripped off. And then they, anytime they do something like that, like, they use. They don't even bother to do CGI around the person, they just make CGI doubles of the children, you know? And I'm like, it's really obvious that kid is not in the tree. It's really obvious that girl is not floating. I was also going to say the really good point, too, is that maybe the reason I enjoyed the first 30 minutes was you just kind of bought in or just gave up that that film was going on fast forward. Yeah. Like, everything happens so quickly. There is no buildup. I mean, in comparison to the original film, I mean, it goes at a, a reasonable rate. Well, it did you notice, too, Kirby, that they set up things in that movie that have no payoff whatsoever? Like, it tells you Sam Rockwell's out of work, but then apparently he has, like, three or four credit cards and a really bad spending problem, and then that's never addressed ever again. Yeah, they don't really talk about it. Pretty much anything, but I knew when they got into what purchases he makes with those cards, I was like, "Oh, we're gonna just we're gonna shoehorn this in because I because to me it to. seemed like he did that so it could work in product placement because he buys the girl an iPhone, yeah, and, they, and it's like I've seen so many movies now where they have cell phones and they don't show you what kind of phone it is. This one's they specifically you can see it's an iPhone. You know, it was just one of those things. Like there also was not nearly that you know it's like. There was, they they do the same kind of like uh, marital, 
you know, fun. Like they're they're kind of happy and stuff. Yeah. But then it's also like you know, not only because of the 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 issues, financial issues and stuff. Whereas it's not like the same thing where oh, we're so successful in the original film. It's yeah. Not like it's just you know, it, they they're I don't know if they're trying to make some kind of class social commentary or something, but it just fell flat. And they did, well, no, and this Ruby pointed this out too when we saw it. You never get to meet their neighbors or anything. They're in a big like you know complex you know you know housing project and clearly that I mean they're not subtle at all with these like hauntings. They're like they're big right from the get-go like you know they find a human like vertebrae spine in their like oh front yard right from the get-go and they're like that's a rock i'm like dude that is not a rock it's not it's a full-on like sub-zero spine (laughs) you know finish him yeah and then like when there's like these little things happen like there's huge cracks in their yard they're huge weeping willow that looks way out of place like they could have tried a little harder to make it look because it's so modern and then there's huge weeping willow and right from the get-go they're like that house is older than the development and there's this huge open field and then in like they like they play into stuff with class like they meet someone from a different town who tells them that used to be like the graveyard just like the first movie and like you would think they have the internet they could look this up or something later on when the ghost hunters show up they tell them oh this used to be a cemetery and then like he just hand waves like ah i bet they just moved the headstones and left the bodies and they take that as fact they never look it up or anything well i just i also i'll put that as we can wind this one down as just it was terrible but i felt like the whole thing was just like like i said this is another film in a lot of modern modern horror films and this takes place in the current day this isn't like a conjuring yeah based on an older case i mean that all the technology is at their hands and so yeah it plays into the film but never for any practical uses and it's not like a funny uh, thing like oh hey you went up the stairs when you should have gone out the door it's just like this is just dumb yeah, and there's just they make stupid things. decisions all the time and then like when the ghosts interfere with like electronics they do it in ways that doesn't make any sense like the girl's using her phone and then suddenly the phone has tv static like you're right from the get-go you're, and then she's walking around using it as like i'm like that wouldn't happen you know it's like when it's um and they also like i said they set up this giant field right next to them i'm thinking oh that's there so like eventually they'll like you know they won't they don't have a pool that's where the corpse are gonna jump out like no nothing nothing yeah they set up things all the time like there's electric poles you think something nothing it just weirded me out. Yeah, there's just no, um, there's no real thing. And then at the, the end is the most unbelievable because the fact that like, uh, yeah, you think the neighbors or someone knows this would have been like on every news. This would be like the most viral video. With the, for, yeah, because the, the house starts going Amityville, and it's yeah. like it's like ludicrous that no one is doing anything until like the very very end when it literally like fully explodes across everything it's like but if it's why is it only this house you know and that's another plot they, yeah that's the thing they they, they never meet neighbors like why is it just this house is yeah. it the tree it, it you know ne- and that's the thing you see no, it's, other it's people's the oldest, cars it's the oldest house on on the block yeah uh, thank you yeah thank there you, you go so much. Like, yeah well it, it was just one of those ones but i mean i went in with that one with a decent amount of you know you know hope that you know it wouldn't be so and, bad oh, and then it has the like the 
before the hokey ghost hunter ending we just mentioned there's yeah. an even hokier ending before that where they just moved to a different town and they walk in there and then the real estate person is ba- it's basically the exact same house they were at just in a different town and then it ends with them pulling out of the driveway on all their cell phones and everything with like an obnoxious like rock song playing and then they all have new clothes and everything i'm just like like I was telling Ruby, like, do they get an insurance settlement or is the dad spent? You know, they don't learn anything. It feels like I don't know. It's just a really weird movie. Anything so, yeah, that, better that you saw? No, I mean, or did it just get worse? Uh, I saw. I have Crackle on my Roku, and um, Crackle did a uh, an original movie based on the video game Dead Rising, uh, called Dead Rising Watchtower, mm-hmm. and um basically like it's kind of set after the game is basically this he's a reporter uh in a world where zombieism is you know something that you can cure with like regular shots you know like uh you know like an std or you know like a managed illness i don't know anything about std (laughs) you know what i mean basically like i'll take your word for it. somebody who has like a managed illness if they like take their medication or whatever they're pretty much oh yeah i can follow that yeah yeah, that's what that's the kind of universe they live in um so there these people are getting their shots but then it turns out uh, that's like an X3 when they just like shoot you with a little syringe. And yeah. Then the, it tur- they get set up, but it turns out, oh, it's not working. So then the whole little area is quarantined and then half the, everyone turns into a zombie and uh, Rob Riggle plays, I guess the hero from the video game. Who's like a commentator on the disaster as it's happening. And he's really funny, but um, the movie itself, like it's, it's one of those things where it, uses stuff in the video games like there's the zombie clown and everything it's worth watching how long is it it's a full-length movie it really is wow yeah. i'd never even heard of this one no, I yeah and it's on crackle so if you have like any if you have roku or whatever it crackles free so you can watch this for free um and just sony's just doing a lot more original stuff for crackle and uh, i thought it was all right you know it's pretty much like a sci-fi original zombie movie you know so considering i didn't have to pay for it and the production values are pretty good i thought it was all right how many combination weapons appear that's the question um there are like a lot of those combination weapons in the game and then it's weird seeing like the um there's a lot of uh easter eggs to things in the game like you walk around and there's like uh graphics that have like mega man and stuff on them which i thought was pretty cool (laughs) you know interesting yeah so that's pretty much all i've seen so far Oh, I know you've seen more. I have. But those are kind of your Yeah, that's all I can remember. I mean, I saw Mad Max Fury Road, obviously. I thought it was good, obviously. Um, yeah. Well, no, I didn't I didn't mention the H.R. Giger thing. Cause oh, right, right, right. Yeah, so we also saw a uh, documentary on H.R. Giger called uh, Dark World. Dark Star. Dark Star. Dark that's Star. it. Um, and it's basically like H.R. Uh, Giger's last days. Like, he was being interviewed by, uh, like, a, you know director whatnot named belinda salen and uh just goes into his life um yeah it was like a day in the life a day yeah that's exactly what it feels like i i mean my my main uh review or indictment of the film i would say is that uh all this footage she had all this access and like there's no structure to it at all sure you know i mean i liked seeing his house but Mm -hmm. like 
what what I took away from it is if you are not already familiar with H.R. Giger and his like contributions to cinema or how he got started and if you know all that stuff already, then oh, it's a great movie. If you're going in here cold and like, oh, I want to find out about this Swiss surrealist artist, you're going to come out knowing pretty much just as much as you did when you walked in. Right. Because it doesn't give you context of how he got into the into uh, what he does. He doesn't tell you that he did a lot of stuff for movies. It is very influential. Mm-hmm. All you really get out of it is that uh, he was much better off in the past than he was now. He doesn't like 20th, 20th Century Fox. <laughs> and... Uh, the most fascinating thing you find out is about his partner, Lee, you know, who's an inspiration for the Lee 2 painting and how she committed suicide. And like, and I felt, oh, this, they're getting into how this affected his work. And he said, like, he was destroyed. And then that's it. It's just dropped, never comes back to it. Right. So that's the only downside. I did like seeing his house and... His cat stole the his show. His cat. It was, yeah. Like, it's weird. Like, when we were done watching it, we were kind of wondering, like, was that, like, a purposeful thing? Because, like, <laughs> really, the cat got the best reaction through the well, whole thing. Well, the thing is, is, like, anybody... Up. Yeah. <laughs> Any time you have uh, somebody who, who uh, puts together a documentary especially if it's a study on an individual, you always hear about the, the commentary afterwards where um, the the film kind of finds its voice and edits itself yeah. and and just goes together in a, in a certain way to where it finds its its voice. And I think the, the cat was the catalyst that made that, that thrust the movie forward, mm-hmm. the documentary forward. Because otherwise, everything else in there is, is it, seemed, it just feel, it felt really depressing. Yeah. I mean, just all those black walls, just everything just enclosed. I mean, all, the black, all you did you was just You could clearly like tell it was in angles. a decline. Like, the footage you see is like, because you find out a lot how he was always inspired by having these trains around mm-hmm. and how he eventually got to build his ghost train. But with the footage you see of him riding and building it is clearly shot like 10 years before this movie's happened. Because by the time you see it now, it's mm-hmm. clearly in oh, disrepair. Yeah, right, yeah. There's no way it even works anymore. You know, I don't know if that was like bad editing or what, but like, I'm glad they showed that footage at the end. So you got to see that he was happy at some point. Oh, sure. Because otherwise you get the feeling that he just lives in this like tiny hovel, like a hoarder and he's just like almost penniless, you know, Yeah. which might be closer to the truth than we know. I don't Uh, know. Maybe. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel like. I like when I saw Jodorowsky's Dune. I feel like I learned much more about him than I did watching this movie. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Okay, Kirby. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll try to with our remaining time avoid uh, we what, can go a little avoid over, what clearly. we've actually talked about. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we talked about Avengers, Jurassic World, Mad Max, Fury Road. Uh, I caught a few dollar theater ones. Uh, I actually went and saw Insurgent. I hadn't. I, oh, we I, saw that too. And I only saw the. Uh, I saw the the film like the day before the Divergent one. So, I uh, you know I'm not really familiar with the books of the show. The uh, second movie was a lot better than the first. Uh, I thought I had a lot more interest in I, the first film. I almost fell asleep. Like I just wasn't as into it. Oh, but the second one just pissed me off. Oh, okay. Well, good to know. 
was maybe angry. Meiji insurgent. Yes. The uh, whole thing. Uh, I, I'm. I did like the ending of what was the second one? Insurgent. Divergent or insurgent, insurgent was the second. They're, they have very confusing titles. I think the third one is going to be called Allegiant, but basically, uh, it's you know the kind of village thing. I mean, it's you kind of see it coming, but at the same time, it opens it up. Yeah, I don't know. Fuck that. It kind of reminded me of seeing. Um, I actually saw the Maze Runner, and I was surprised that that was actually pretty decent. Oh, and the second I, one comes out this. Yeah, fall. and um, it kind of like that real sci-fi dystopian vibe, like you know, and obviously you know the Hunger Games and all this well, stuff. It's really brought this to the forefront, but it's not that bad. Yeah, like, I thought the Maze Runner more had kind of have like a Lord of the Flies thing going on too. Yeah, which definitely. I really like that's what I, I enjoyed, and I like the 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 kid that they had who was kind of one of the main protagonists who was kind of leading the group. Um, and didn't really want like the outsiders to kind of take over because you know this is the way that stuff is really controlled. The kid that was in um, oh, we are, the Millers, we're the Millers. Yeah, yeah he, really he really him. took a different turn. Yeah. Um, he's actually in something. He's in Whiplash, which you still need to see. Yeah, no, but he's in something. I <laughs> know. Oh, I did see Whiplash finally. So oh, I have we'll caught, finally I, talk about I, that. I, next I've time. finally seen so many movies I've been waiting to see, and that was one of them. Uh, I'm trying to get some I of the other. Him in Whiplash. What did he play? He played the drummer kid. No, 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 no. That's a different guy. The kid in, in Divergent is the kid from Whiplash. No, no. I'm talking about the redhead. No, he's talking about the kid who is in the We're the Millers, who's like... Oh, the, uh, the weirdly... Kind of, uh, kind of weird looking. Yeah, yeah. The, the, I'll the take gayish, your word for it. The gayish kid. Yeah, I'll take your know. word for it. <laughs> the one who, who makes, a, out, with who makes out with his mom and yeah, his sister. And his sister. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> Very... Another great description and tagline. <laughs> I would describe his performance as gayish. All right. You know, I don't mean it in a negative way. I mean, like, I yeah, you do hate crimes. Whatever. Which, by the way, I don't even think now I can even talk about movies. I mean, thankfully anymore, like Mad Max Fury Road. I didn't even know until weeks after I saw it that there's this whole like men's rights like crazy discussion about him like Matt Max isn't even in the movie I'm like yeah he's it he's in the movie good I mean I loved it I go I don't feel any either or I thought the female characters and the male characters were both great and played an important part Um, I haven't seen too many other films but I've I've heard all these discussions oh Asia Ultron was the other one with the Black Widow and her uh her forced uh sterilization I'm like okay that was something I didn't even you know, I, I'm I'm not playing dumb here or trying to ignore something. I'm like, I just I got no clue. I didn't feel anything because I didn't feel anything the whole movie. It was just right. not my movie. Right. Um. I did watch. I think Victor actually mentions on one was Saint Vincent. Uh huh. Oh Bill yeah. Murray. Bill, Bill it feels Murray. like I haven't seen anything. Um. You know. And I just yeah. I I it wasn't my type of thing. Uh. I'm just gonna roll through these real quick. Uh. Finally saw Only Lovers Left Alive. Uh, which is a Jim Jarmish film on uh, hmm. basically it's vampires. It's Tom Hiddleston and uh, uh, Tilda Swinton. I've not uh, even heard of this. Yeah, it's um, if you like Jim Jarmish films, uh, you probably enjoy it. I'm I've never. Did been you catch huge... that in the theater? Was that no? This no? is a Redbox rental. Oh. I'm one of those people like I just do not catch movies the way I used to. Because one, because I'm a hoarder and I have a backlog of like a thousand movies to uh-huh. watch. But I mean. I'm trying to explore all these, like, you know, uh, it sounds so, you know, stuck in the past, but I'm like, I try to find new things, um, but there's just so much content now, obviously, and that's why I don't watch a lot of the TV series, but interesting, I enjoyed it enough, I thought it was a 
I haven't seen the other one, the uh, What We Do in Shadows, oh, so which is... Oh, you need which, to see which that. Which I really want to. I did enjoy Housebound and stuff, but uh, what we... Uh, uh, but I do like the idea of, like, not because I haven't seen... I know What We Do in Shadows is more horror comedy, mm-hmm. but I always like the idea of vampires in the sense of the boredom and stuff and, like, the just mundaneness of, right. you know, eternal life, and that's kind I of... I could go to town on that, and I yeah. will on a future episode. I, w- I promise I'll watch it before the next episode. <laughs> um... I ended up buying because I got a really good price on it for like super cheap was the uh, Leprechaun Blu-ray set. So I finally saw Leprechaun Origins. Um, <laughs> oh boy. Which has a horn swoggle from uh, WWE. Uh, it's a complete reboot and is probably the most, like, I mean, just, I, you know, people are like, oh, it's so good. It's such a dark reboot. And I'm like, yeah, but it's the campy fun of the original films that made them enjoy. I mean, Warwick right. Davis's performance well, to the again, ludicrous. that's the big problem with a lot of these reboots and remakes. Or like the person's like, oh, I love this. Let me make it dark and realistic so well, that it's Because it's cool. a dark night thing. It's like, look, I don't mind like that they're going to try to do a dark Fantastic Four film. But Fantastic Four has See, always been. See, that's a summer movie. I keep forgetting yeah, about. Yeah, so see, there's another one. You know, I'm keep, like, no, I'm not excited about it. I'm into just superheroes. Like, yeah. But no, no, no. What I mean by that is when I saw the trailer, I go, <sighs> you know, you start getting the, the you know, like, let's get the full-on Christian Bale bear vocals going on because it's reached a point where it's like, yeah, it's got to be so gritty and dark. And it's like, dude, Fantastic Four was always pretty, to me, a pretty lightweight comic series, um, you know and even I thought the, the Rise of the Silver Surfer one had enough of the the I darkness with yeah. the the Galactus and the the, the Surfer himself it's cerebral, then. yeah, more, yeah, definitely not as, as uh, cheesy as the original, but um, yeah, Leprechaun Origins just, yeah, it didn't so work, but if they, if they went to the kind of the darker side, more serious side of, of Origins how would you compare that? Because I, I, I didn't see uh, the Leprechaun Oranges, orange, Oranges, Origins, Origins yeah. um, the, the last Chucky film. I love the last Chucky. Yeah, so film. did I. Uh, Curse, of, yeah. uh, Curse, Curse of Chucky was actually really good. Um, really dark. Um, but, but not it was dark, a throwback. It was fun. a throwback to but, like the first like yeah, first yeah kind of film. He had the same thing where he was it was jokey but mean. Like whenever he would make anything, it was very sinister and menacing mm-hmm. as opposed to trying to be. Um, you know, that kind of thing, which I totally agree. Don Mancini, the creator and screenwriter of, of uh, you know, the Child's Play film, he directed C to Chucky. He said, you know, after Child's Play 3, I, I didn't know where else to go with the character. Um, I did not want it to turn into a Friday the 13th or um, Nightmare on Elm Street. So I just went completely into like, you know, this totally out there place with bride of chucky right and see to chucky and then he said you know after i did those this is where i i circle back to well what i like about it too is at the same time it's like a quasi reboot but it's also like a sequel like it doesn't negate the other movies at all and it has a really good it ties the mythology of the film which was really never you know it's obviously post you know Mm -hmm. you know i don't think he or tom holland ever had 
uh, or some of the other people who worked on script screen uh, script treatments and stuff like that. But I really think that you know it ended up working out pretty well. Well, yeah, because on honestly, the fact that like there's like what five Chucky movies is kind of crazy considering like how basic the narrative is. It's like the serial killer uses some voodoo he learned in prison to try to jump into a new body. Like my like I always thought if they ever did like a reboot of Chucky, it would turn out that Chucky would be like um you know oh god what's the uh, the actor who plays Chucky oh uh, Brad Dourif yeah that Brad Dourif you know that you'd meet Brad Brad Dourif and he got into a body and it would be like an old guy and he would be teaching somebody else the voodoo thing you know and that's how I assumed you would continue a, like a reboot thing yeah but I, I, the fact that they've kept it going with chucky kind of stuck in like the purgatory of being a doll for so long is kind of amazing well and i do love the second and third films i've actually gone back to them several times and realized they work really well um better than a lot of other franchises have mm. done um and i love uh i don't love c as chucky as much although i do think it's fun um it is campy. I mean, it's, you have John yeah, Waters, also, so you know, yeah, you know it's, it's also be. a play on like the kind of universal like son of Frankenstein. Oh, totally. It, yeah, it was fun. But um, Brian Chucky, I remember laughing so hard. I don't think you know because I, I just wasn't expecting it. I don't even remember seeing the trailer. I was just like, Brian and Chucky, let's go. Like, yeah, Brian and Seed are my two favorites. Yeah, yeah. I didn't really. I, I was kind of lukewarm on the last one. I just think it didn't it didn't reach as far it, as, it I, as I wanted perfect, it to right. but I will tell you the one part where um, without giving a spoiler you know because because you really can't I mean every film Chucky eventually is going to come to life mm-hmm. where people didn't know he was mm-hmm. alive right and when he comes to life under that sheet with the little girl I mean it was I felt it like a oh, little yeah, like yeah. chill yeah. by the me. way that little girl was really good that yeah. again that ties into my whole thing with poltergeist the, st- the little girl in the poltergeist remake right from the get go it's like oh this is like a telegenic child who's like clearly you know oh it's so cute and she's so stupid my, my dance mom brought me yes like, it, that's it, exactly it, what it is <laughs> you yeah. know it, it was bad but um the little on, boy I will say yeah, poltergeist was, was really good yeah he was a lot better and he was more believable i mean his fear and stuff like you could tell and i do think if you actually want to make a social commentary thing on like um you know like the kid being like hey grow up you know toughen up kind of thing but like what he faces in a really short span of time is, is pretty great but um much like the original yeah um I did see uh, for the absolute I, I, another. I like to consider this uh, my point where I take one for the team was uh, uh, having to get through Seventh Son. And, yeah, because I sure wouldn't watch that. Oh my god! Okay, I, okay. I thought I, Jeff Daniels. And, no, Jeff Bridges. Or, sorry, Jeff Bridges, not Jeff Daniels. Jeff Bridges and uh, Julianne Moore. And Seventh yeah, I'm I'm getting Son. off on these names sometimes. Uh, you it, know. it was. But, um, one, I think is that the one that was the passion passion project that uh jeff bridges had like the part he ended up playing was one his dad was originally supposed to play oh i i don't yeah, know that it, much it i know be, about it could and be, it got dumped because it because right? it certainly wasn't r.i.p yeah. <laughs> which is also uh, kind of you know i had more fun with that than i did with this one but the whole thing with um seven signs is just um i it's another film where I felt like such a mishmash of every fantasy trope and yeah, everything yeah. being like the same. Like you, you take oh this part from Lord of the Rings and this part from Harry Potter and then this part from. I think the only other film I felt that much about was uh, In the Name of the King, 
Um, and I would have preferred Jason Statham to be the uh, to be the uh, uh, peasant, you know, kind of role as opposed to this ludicrous. Sure, you know, I just looked it up and it just reminded me. I mean, it says that there's like four writers on this thing. Oh yeah, and so it, it definitely was a way. huge dump movie. But um, it was it was also it came out really close. I remember to Jupiter Ascending, and I just remember all like the critics and like box office analysts were like, "This is the ultimate double header of shit." Basically, yeah. that's coming. Well, to and you. that's the same thing. I don't know if you've seen trailers for it. The uh, there's a uh, is it uh, Vin Diesel's which Witch Hunter. Witch Hunter, which just looks up. Yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> Am I going to get that as a double retro double feature with Season of the Witch and Let me Solomon tell you this. Kane? Let me tell you this, Kirby. The very first shot of Vin Diesel in that movie or in the trailer we saw, um, he's coming into a room with his little. It looks like his team or his cohorts. One of them is a uh, the actress who plays uh, Ygre on Game of Thrones, which you haven't seen. But the other person <laughs> is Kurt. Totally visual. No, the other yeah. person is Kurt Angle. I knew it. I, oh my Kurt God. Angle, the former WWF wrestler. So I'm like, this is a big budget movie with like B-level wrestlers. Well, is that one that TNA made? Um, River of Darkness. That's like Kurt Angle. And, and you a play bunch- a serial killer? No, it's like um, oh. it's like an action, like a sci-fi original yeah. picture kind of thing. But it like huge. Uh, I I have it somewhere. I got for ninety nine cents. Still haven't watched it again. A <laughs> mid hoarder. But uh, yeah, I I haven't even seen that trailer yet. Uh, I don't know. See, Kirby, it, it looks I like to... a quasi Hellboy got, thing, got, right, Adam? No, it, it looks worse than that. I yeah. got such I like just a, don't understand a long list, but I should just segue quick into. Uh, do we even want to talk about any of our best of 2015? You know what? I, I thought we'd just like been catching up on 2015 okay. movies. Okay. Because I had Mad Max, Ex Machina, Kingsman. I mean, those are Well, like no, no, because the ones. reason is, is that like I kind of left here. So my best 2015 film, I'm going to say like on the big budget was Mad Max, like big theater. Mm-hmm. But um, on the independent circuit, like without a doubt, I highly recommend you go out and see We Are Still Here. Uh, it is just awesome. That's the Barbara Crampton one, yeah, right? Barbara yeah, Barbara Crampton, uh, Lisa Marie. Um, if you love... I need to see this just because Lisa Marie's in it. Yeah, I gotta see she, it because Barbara Crampton's in it. And it is just... Well, that's why I saw your next, but she's barely in that. that. Yeah, right. it, it's basically... And that's kind of why I felt. The two things I thought of when I watched this movie was... Um, without Because I don't want to give away too much. But I mean, definitely, of course, with Barbara Crampton and the current... You know, her current career, it's like, you know, you definitely have a little bit of the year next. And because it's about a family, um, without any kind of spoiler here, it's about a, a family who've lost their son and, um, you know, move from the city into like a, a really rural town and, ha- you know, get this house for like nothing to help them, you know, start over. And it is, um, it just builds, you know, and builds. And it's like, it's one of those ones. I also the other film undoubtedly that it, it, it there too is is the Ty West double feature of House of the Devil and um, uh, Innkeepers because it is <laughs> definitely a toll throwback. I mean, it takes place I think in seventy nine. See that this and is it, this is where I guess I'll have to before you go on. Yeah, I really like House of the Devil. Yeah. But I hate the innkeepers. But it's not. It's more House of the Devil than it is the innkeepers. <laughs> okay. It is only the innkeepers because of, of the fact that there is a you know like a spectral force. But why it's there is definitely the whole like innkeepers thing. It's a total throwback movie. But the one thing I will say was that 
I had fun the entire movie. Like, I actually enjoyed it. I thought there was some really unsettling, creepy stuff in it. Um, but really, I, I, I mean, I enjoyed the end of, like, Starry Eyes, but this one delivers the gore like you would not believe i mean it is it is almost dead alive proportions but i don't want to have better production value than starry eyes I'm oh hoping. god yes and because i can't acting, get i can't get past how cheap starry eyes look yeah to sit it, through it. it is definitely not starry eyes and stuff i just really meant the ending there um but it is just really um just felt like watching uh, it really was it felt like watching a grindhouse movie hmm. in you know but also with enough it's not too slick and not too rough it's it's just right in the middle perfectly the pacing's really good because the one thing i enjoyed about it above all all other aspects was that it made me go when is this going because it's a relatively short film but it goes down a lot of different paths really quickly. Like it is, you know, that's where you think it's like, ah, oh, this is where the next part of the story is going to be. It's mm-hmm. going to go down that path. It goes the complete other direction without going like off the rails. But it so, still comes full circle. It comes still, full circle. That's nice. And just like I said, I mean, it is like people just like applauding like because it's so just, the antithesis i mean would be like you know poltergeist yeah like, but it's mm-hmm. yeah exactly Where it's like what the hell but is all not, this have to do it's not it's not um but it is it's got a good as i always use is slow burn it's yeah. a slow burn for the first 30 40 minutes and it still has a bit of the mystery and and that kind of thing it's uh and like it's, said, nice it's to the see, house of the devil kind of thing and it's nice to see that slow burn come back into yeah into and then when it and when it unleashes hell it, it just makes it, it so much better it's so much blood right. and guts that i just loved it not in a comedic way but in like an actual brutal way like mm-hmm. That not as quite as like a inside or martyrs or some, but I just I really liked it. I, and that is a, a film where I went in with zero expectations. Right. Didn't even watch the trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to go. Yeah, in. no, I haven't seen the trailers or anything. And I, I just know from. I would just go in and uh, as soon as it's available, VOD or whatever, or you can buy it. I'd buy it. It's yeah. it's definitely worth it. No, I so. just I've just always heard it from Barbara Crampton, like really just pushing it. Yeah, she and does saying, oh, there's like really good, you know, buzz and feedback and all that stuff and she's very proud of the project and everybody needs to see it now so that yeah it's been on my radar definitely definitely worth it what do you got victor for your uh top tier uh i would say the best couple movies i've seen have probably been ex machina because that is a lot of replay value and it falls in the terms of movies i like like intellectual like sci-fi you know that kind of like explores like different issues uh you know about appropriation of technology and all and, and you know kind of the sense of self mm-hmm. you know I, I like that it felt very philip k dick to me and i also i would say you know, since we talk so much about comic book movies i i still think clearly kingsman the secret service is like the best comic movie we've seen all year yeah without a doubt yeah that is also the most surprised i've been at a movie since uh probably since um edge of tomorrow last year mm-hmm. went in didn't know what to expect at all not a genre i love and it completely reinvented the whole yeah. spy thing and yeah it was and just to so me, much it's, fun it's another example of matthew vaughn always having awesome soundtracks to all the movies <laughs> he's in you know from layer cake to this like oh i'm like man there's so many good 80 songs in this movie yeah great casting too i really enjoyed some of the people i had not seen before and then the established names yeah um and just inventive Right. That's the one thing I'd say about Kingsman. Super inventive. It, it really uses a, 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 a 
I'm so happy somebody finally went back to using Samuel Jackson as the same kind of like a similar villain role to what he had in like Unbreakable. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you see that voice. Just, never, that voice took a like, little bit. I, of I, I, yeah, it was funny, but like but the, to me, I thought about it, like aside from Unbreakable, like I can't even remember the last time I saw Samuel L. Jackson play a villain. That's because no I one saw, saw the spirit. I saw a little, oh the spirit. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, but, but, but no that movie's completely forgettable. Even like Formula Fifty One, I saw a little bit of his character in there. Uh huh. I think maybe it was just you know kind of the sideways hat and kind of the street yeah. attitude more than anything else. But and I'm gonna say it again: the cocksureness of yeah, you know. But it's to me, exactly it's just funny doing. because he's very much like Michael Caine was, like you know, five, like you know, in the last five or ten years, or like Samuel Jackson, like. You know, he's in like five, like five, six movies a year. Like the guy will not stop working. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's just funny how like how many p- parts he plays are like very similar to parts he plays in. Like, um, you know, he's in all those triple X movies, which he's basically playing the exact same character he plays in all the Marvel movies. Like a one, like a one-eyed, scarred government, like overseer. Like mm-hmm. his character in Triple X is basically Nick Fury with hair. You know, but like I thought about this, like aside from Unbreakable and a, a couple movies here, once every tw- ten years or something, he never plays villains, and he usually only plays like the same character over and over again. So the fact is, he must have really liked the script to actually go out and kind of have to try a little harder. Sure, yeah. And you guys didn't get ever give spoilers. You just gave one words descriptions. But I will say from your recommendations, I am a full agreement. Both the church and the head scenes yeah. were just like, oh my god, this is yeah, unbelievably awesome. Yeah, yeah. we were cheering. Yeah, it was just audience. so much fun. People were just like openly laughing and cheering all at the same time during those parts. Yeah. So what Amazing. do you what are you guys looking forward to for the rest of 2015? Jeez, Louise. Besides Fantastic Four, obviously. I I kind of feel like the rest of the year is kind of a wasteland of things I'm actually, like, interested in. Yeah. No, I'm really trying to think about it. I mean, I'm going to go out on a limb and be the heel here. So I'm not even... I am not interested at all in Star Star Wars The Force Awakens. Um, That's winter. Yeah. But I'm just saying the rest of the year is what he said. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sorry. I meant just since we're at the halfway point... What have you seen? I mean, obviously, there's a huge amount of like a, a big glut. Oh, of you know titles, what? But I during um, uh, Jurassic World, they showed the extended 3D trailer for was it like Line Walker? What is oh, it? the one, the line or whatever? Yeah, the yeah, Robert the Zemeckis film thing? with uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, the, yeah. And when I saw the te- teasers, it didn't really show any of the other story, but. This extended one actually l- looked more interesting to me because oh. it is Robert Zemeckis, yeah, and it's going to be like this 3D, like just craziness because you're looking at stuff, you know, where you top of these buildings and everything else. Um, that just looks like a lot of maybe you know, just interesting, fun, and intense. Um, might draw me in. Uh, I Star Wars, I am looking forward to. Victor got me because he went to a uh, uh, pre-screen, which you can't talk oh, about. Yeah. But uh, Terminator Genesis, he he 
said was really good. So yeah, I keep for yeah. I obviously, couldn't mention that because I mean I'm not allowed to say that I saw it. So I, <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm really sorry. We can delete that. No, no, no it's thing. fine about it. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean I think it's close enough now. But yeah, I've seen Terminator Genesis. I liked it. That's all I'm going to say about it. Um, I thought of one I'm looking forward to seeing. We didn't say when, so it's all good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, so, or I can say it now since it's the second half of the year. Uh, I am looking forward to seeing Terminator Genesis. <laughs> um, if I had seen it, I would say there are Pause things. For edit. There are <laughs> things that uh, would have been uh, better if they had not been spoiled in the trailer. Um, and I will say I'm interested to see the reaction people will get from a certain fan favorite and or his role in this film well and i have to say that that's kind of what ruined it for jurassic world is just seeing like all the trailers and it was like the same trailer yeah. over and over if again you have not like, seen, well, already seen the any trailers, trailers from terminator genesis do not watch them the less you know about that movie going but in it's so hard when you go to the movie theater yeah. to see another movie and they show the trailer for for the terminator one it is the one that gives away a big plot yeah plot. well and, and trailers now are it's funny that you know you you do have i mean trailers are, are their own culture with a you know your teasers your radio and tv spots just like as they always were by me it's such a thing i mean this debuted on itunes or this debuted here or there uh red band trailers and stuff but i mean i i also noticed i mean trailers are getting long like i'm now mm-hmm. at 20 minutes before the movie's even started oh, even longer because sometimes. 20 30 minutes because not only are there's so many trailers but the trailers are so long right and um i noticed that i mean like the original genesis trailer felt like it gave me you know like hooked me in but didn't give everything away well yeah now they, haven't, kind of they haven't given away some important stuff which makes me happy because i'm kind of like i was bummy i'm like they're giving away every cool thing in this movie in the trailer um and leave it at that yeah yeah that's exactly <laughs> you're gonna start talking no, a little no, bit no, too no, much. No. I, i'm just i'm gonna say <laughs> there are still cool things in this trailer in the movie that haven't been given away by the trailer yeah I um I am look I thought of one I'm looking forward to seeing. Um it comes out on July 28th uh direct to Blu-ray. Uh it's called Justice League Gods and Monsters and it's um it's the new DC animated movie from uh Bruce Timm who did uh Batman the animated series, Superman the animated series and Justice League Unlimited. Mm-hmm. And what happened was DC was like we'd like you to do another Justice League uh, movie, but we don't want it to be a continuation of the ones you've already done. So he the, he took a completely different approach to it. And if you go to YouTube and look up the McKinema channel, there's three shorts that lead into it. The approach he took is he just reinvented all three characters. So it has the Justice League is just the main trinity of Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. But the approach he took is like Batman is not bruce wayne he is kurt langstrom who became a vampire after taking the the man bat serum so he has to feed on uh criminals to stay alive um superman is the son of zod not the son of jor-el and um wonder woman is becca who's one of the furies from apocalypse in the new jack kirby new god mythology and her short all three of these shorts are online so i'm not spoiling it you they're free to watch um hers is really cool because uh they have they all have different things so like the short with her in it um well you'd be spoiling it if they haven't seen it 
Oh yeah, it's like well, oh, you can go and see go to the movie theater. No, no I'm not going to tell you what happens. So basically, okay. they're all the other Just characters around them. All the other characters around them are like kind of different. Right. It's so like in Giganta is in Wonder Woman short, but instead of being like you know like the tag of the fifty foot woman, she's like a Jack Kirby like uh, kind of designed monolith robot. Um, like you know, there's like a uh, Harley Quinn in the Batman short is kind of like a horror movie character without spoiling it. So it's kind of really interesting how like they do the butterfly effect. Like this one thing changes, it's how mm-hmm. all these other things change. Hmm. And I'm really interested to see what the whole storyline is about. Right. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'm actually on the other side too, besides Terminator Genesis, on the Arnold Schwarzenegger side, I think it's already been released. Oh Maggie. Actually, but That's Maggie, already out, yeah. But I really have wanted to see that, so I probably they'll definitely be out there. I will be interested to hear what you think about it. Yeah. Adam then, talks me out of watching it, just to be yeah. forewarned. Well, I'll, I still, I definitely like the trailer yeah, just, and had some interest sure. in it. So yeah. I just, I'd hope that that one would make like a, a more, um, I guess it really, I thought it was going to do a longer uh, theatrical run. And I mm-hmm. guess it r- shorted out pretty fast despite, yeah. um, you know, good reviews and some word of mouth. So sure. it was, it was surprising. Um, they finally are going to reach, uh, release Green Inferno, which oh, yeah, right. I oh, heard yeah. is I- not good but i still i need a cannibal movie mm-hmm. like it's it's just been too long right um that had so much buzz like a year yeah, ago and, and it's just gonna just, it die it's gonna die and then i've heard a lot of really good things about creep um but i literally know very i i very little knowledge about it but i and it's not creep the um the the old kind of end of the line movie or raw meat um but uh in that vein um subterranean stalker kind of thing but uh it's some new film um and then i do i finally picked up a copy of clown and i've had it for like a month i've been dying to watch it and i still haven't watched it so i'll remedy that before the next uh kirby have you seen uh it i think it's just recently available on vod or it might be just running in some small theaters now the nightmare no, but I am absolutely fascinated by sleep paralysis, so yeah. I'm really excited to check it out. I watched the trailer for that, and I almost pissed my pants. Yeah, people say it's... Um, the only thing is is that the trailer or the film... Um, it's playing at the Valley Art at so, okay. right Yeah, I have said it's really, really good, but um, you know, it's one of those ones, it, it, it doesn't sustain as long as it could. That, right, that's that, what I've heard. Yeah. Well, yeah, the they should have made the, it the a guy shorter who directed one. it, Rodney Asher, I... To me, all his movies kind of have that problem, like Room 237 and the short he did before that, The mm-hmm. S from Hell. Like, it seems interesting, and then it just kind of drifts into, I don't care what this person's yeah, talking yeah. about. Yeah, no, he, he does have yeah. a way of just kind of going on and on and on. Yeah. Like, he has so much going in his brain, and he's trying to just get it all out yeah. to where it's like brain overload especially with 237 yeah i was just gonna say and then like that even one. like his his stuff that he released on on youtube which even went in more in depth yeah into the whole 237 well thing. with room 237 i really like you know it's funny that we're talking about these like documentaries you know or like the giger one and how they are uh arranged and you know how how it's all done my thing with that was like oh, that's kind of interesting he's really doing something different here mm-hmm. where how he you know showcases um like segues into the different segments but i mm-hmm. felt like man you are jumping so far all over the place oh, yeah. that i feel like i can't even and i'm not i you know there's i like that kind of stuff i like very intellectual but i'm like you're a cerebral but you're going on a level where it's like 
there's nothing here for me. Mm. Uh, since we have like 10 minutes left on a little timer, montage of heck. We didn't talk about that. Yeah, well, because it just makes me angry. Yeah, we have some time for you to rant about it. Oh. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet, but I'm... I'm okay, so uh, it, it doesn't matter. I, I will I am, say... I was Kirby Cobain a long liked, time ago, so... I liked the, the little animated, uh, how they animated his diary entries and that. Like, this is a documentary and at Kurt the, Cobain. at the most, there's like 10 minutes of animated stuff. Because right now, there's a lot of Kurt Cobain documentaries coming out because of the anniversary. Right, and the one that, that came out a few years ago, like I, I mentioned in a previous podcast which is called about a son uh was just way better but ever since this this montage of heck came out uh, well i saw it and then a lot of other things are coming out with uh king buzzo you know just uh, just lambasting it because it it didn't um it didn't have anything to do with his actual life and he's kind of throwing it as a as like an andy kaufman kind of thing where a lot of the stuff that he well, did it doesn't seem like they BS. found stuff and didn't like kind of, like my understanding is, and I can kind of agree with Buzz here. They found tapes he did, right. but then didn't go around and ask other people like, "What's this about?" They just took it at its face value that anything he said was gospel. Well, right? Yeah, and also the, the the whole thing seemed like it was Courtney Love's um, vehicle yeah. to kind of to put her in a better light. Uh, it starts dragging about halfway through to where you just see her her tits for the next you know this 20, is true 30 minutes unfortunately yeah. um and what a train so you don't have to wear out were. you don't have to wear out your copy of people versus larry flint no no now you have Still. a supplement to that but everything in it just kind of seemed like a um That's like, really like a supple like a supplemental um you know extras on a dvd or something yeah if you take all the extras like they all seem like outtakes that they stitched into a movie um, I don't. Honestly, I don't trust what what she said. I don't trust what her mother said. It's all hearsay. Yeah. What they, I liked um, they had the girlfriend who was also in Kurt and Courtney, right. Tracy Moran. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. in it. Like I liked the excerpts from the, her diaries. That was the only part I thought was like yes, because that seemed legit. I also think it was odd. Like this is what what really tainted it for me because I know that Courtney Love hates Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl isn't in this at all. And Chris Novoselic, like, is just, he's in it. And I'm like, why are you in this, man? Right. Yeah. Because Which he just is sits sad there because he doesn't really say much. Chris Novoselic, I mean, is one of the people who really did know Cobain for so, I mean, grew up. I yeah. mean, he is the, it's him. And they I went mean, to school together. They went yeah. to school together. I mean, it was him and and uh, and Dale Crove originally from see, the Melvins. I, but yeah, it's right. just, well, it's that's just the thing. Things, they don't like, talk to him. They yeah, don't talk to Chad Channing. They don't talk to any other people from the Seattle scene. They talk to his mom, his dad, his sister, his grandma, Courtney, Chris Novoselic, and that's pretty much it. But the thing is, is they, they don't ever, I don't think they really clued Chris Novoselic into what yeah, he they does, were talking yeah, about. He, yeah. They just kind of they just ask doesn't him, really like, have opinion. anything to do with the movie. Yeah. No, it doesn't. Well, the situ- the, the the certain situations that yeah. they're kind of glorifying in kind of this sugar-coated way to make Courtney Love look like she was the greatest thing that ever happened to him. Yeah, there's a scene in the towards the end of the documentary that like makes Courtney Love seem like an insane, even more insane, where she said Kurt Cobain tried to kill him OD in Rome because he psychically sensed she was about to cheat on him. And she says this with all in her, uh, oh yeah, in her like total Stevie Nicks hairdo, overly Botox face, and I'm just like, you need to stop talking. 
because the way the interviewer just like takes this as fact is like oh we had a connection oh, yeah. just take everything for the, on the yeah. surface and just run with it and out of all the footage they show i still think the only part i like is like there's a there's some there, kurt's shaving and then he leaves his mustache on for a minute and then he just starts doing a chris cornell impression yeah and that's the only thing i thought like oh i'm i finally like that part made him seem like just a dude yeah, everything else <laughs> well, he was a really funny guy yeah. that's one thing that i always found kurt cobain had such an incredibly great sense of humor and he loved doing like really silly things and there were stuff it's just it, you know it's completely written out of history but my whole thing with the whole I mean, as a huge Nirvana fan all my life, I mean, definitely was my favorite band growing up. Like when I was when I was real young, is and definitely is the band that made me pick up a guitar, uh, which is why I still can't play well because I keep playing power chords. But it is, um, you know, really though, is is that I've always wanted a full documentary that was basically Michael Azarad's "Come As You Are," which to me is still the definitive you know biography Mm -hmm. of the band and i just i think there's so many great stories all the people you mentioned i don't need to see this um i some of the things that you're saying like i can imagine being there because there's been already been so many different things but i feel like you really you know people just never take it i mean this is a band that really wasn't around that long Mm -hmm. i mean seven years and only four of those were actually in any kind of spotlight so it's like you know you really you can encapsulate as much as you want but i mean there is you know they're they're getting down to the dredges it seems the, even less in this document yeah. that's what i mean there's like a weird protracted timeline to get courtney loved as soon as possible because they don't even really mention uh toby from um, uh, toby vale and yeah, uh kathleen handle yeah yeah but and the that's thing is, is is when you do a documentary like this and how long has it been now 20 years what what anniversary on is it on his twenty yeah, twenty twenty first right what now? What you're yeah. doing? It's almost like going back to like an unsolved crime. Not I'm not referring to anything. The, no, that's which the was other, supposed to be the current. No, Courtney. there's Wait, another yeah. one that just came out like that. No, yeah. I know, I know, yeah. because there's like an anniversary going on. What I'm saying, and I'm not talking about him killing himself yeah. or anything. I'm just I'm just making which an alliteration. I believe he killed himself. I'm just I'm just making an alliteration. Let me get this out, please, okay. before I forget. Go. Um, no, I forgot. No, seriously. Go to hell. No. <laughs> it's it's like when the police go back and interview people when there's been an unsolved crime. And it's been 20 case. years. It's been a cold case, and they go back 20 years. The details get a little fuzzy, and you start filling in things that you, you kind of make the story your own after the fact and start believing yeah. those stories. So it's really hard, and especially when you know you already kind of have like this. Uh, I already have like this thing that I've always had against Courtney Love that it it just kind of seemed really like just vapid and and just just gross. Yeah, I didn't trust what her mother said. I didn't trust what most of her family said. I don't either. believe anything Courtney Love says. Just for a simple fact that like she dated all these important figures from the '90s music scene and just weave that into this, you know, assume, like not like a year after Kurt died, she was with like a Billy Corgan. Mm-hmm. and before that she was with like trent reznor for a while it's kind of like okay like get over your groupie phase i don't know but she's been since the beginning yeah. my whole thing with courtney love is that if i was to ask her if you want to talk about the mysteries and stuff i'd be like i just want to ask bull on outrise like did kurt wright live through this i mean oh, did, he, go- I, did pre- he ghost write the entire album because <laughs> it's it's pretty obvious he probably did yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah so i mean it's like you know there's i mean some other questions and stuff but uh, the guy i want to know in that just real quick is dylan carlson 
interviewed in it from Earth, his best friend. No, no. Oh, okay. Because I told you everybody, everybody yeah. that was in it. That's, yeah. That's oh, who's in well, it. then fuck it. Anyways, <laughs> yeah. No, because well, it, it's just it's not a, it's not a complete thing. That's why I said it just seemed like it was very myopic. Yeah, it's it's it is. It's pretty much like Kurt grew up. He had like an idyllic childhood up to a point. Then until his, his parents were divorced. Until his parents were divorced, then he became like you know. There's this weird segment in between where it has a conversation, be, uh, a video, uh, like Kurt was interviewing Buzz and he had it on a cassette and they're talking about this movie they saw in the 80s where the kids lock up their parents inside of a high school and how he wishes they could have done that. And then suddenly do it, they do like a five minute long montage of the movie yeah, set to unreleased Nirvana music. It's like, oh, this is Kurt in a nutshell. He was destructive. And then they go to Tracy, and then they have some of the animated stuff. And then it, it's just like, a, ha, basically, it's all leading to the part where Courtney Love stabilized him long enough for Nirvana to be successful, yeah. and then he dies. Yeah, it just didn't, it just didn't, it seemed like just something thrown together that didn't do any, like, honest journalism. The, pro- the production well, values are really high you know, for the most part on the It was It was, like, really biased. That's, that's why biased. I brought up Come As You Are, is, is that I want that to be that definitive uh, uh, authoritative because I mean it's dessert I mean uh, my, one of my favorite death metal bands is Campbell Corpse I mean they did a three disc 20 year retrospective nice. documentary it's like four hours long it's like in Nirvana can't get that like come on man well, I, it's the Dave and Courtney battle yeah, and to I'm the just, end whatever Dave Grohl played with a broken leg let's yeah. just leave it at that <laughs> and if we're gonna go out on this man I think the most important thing since we're talking about remembering the greats is rest in peace, Christopher Lee. Rest oh, yeah. in peace, yeah. Mary Ellen Trainer, mm-hmm. and rest in peace, Dusty Rhodes. And I mean, there's like three or four others. It's just been coming in threes, obviously. But for me, I I, I had talked to my father today, and it's it's funny that you know my folks have never completely understood my like obsession. But it is my folks who got me into it. It's my father sure. loving Vincent Price movies, and my mother adoring Stephen King novels mm-hmm. and all that. But I he you know he actually said, "I'm really sorry to hear about Christopher Lee," and I said, "Thank you," you know. Yeah. Not in some kind of cheesy way, but it's like the real deal is, is that, I mean, you know, what a life lived and shared. But I mean, truly like one of the greats. I mean, mm-hmm. beyond great. He deserved a century, but everything he Oh, and he us, lived life all the way up to the very, very end. end. Yeah. I mean, a true patriot, a hero. I mean, and just genuinely one of the nicest people. I mean, that's, that's the only thing. I mean, that really uh, measured by, you know, what people would say about you. And he... I mean, obviously, congregated with the greats through so many things. I mean, he's the only people, person in Lord of the Rings who actually knew Tolkien, you know, personally right. had met him. And it's like, but I mean, he had just, he had such a diverse and interesting career. And I, I just, you know, I really think that it's really important to remember that that's something I've always felt strongly personally about to remember the dead and how they live their lives and the importance of them. And I just, I, I don't, I would be remiss if I didn't send that as my last for this podcast to say, you know, rest in peace to all those great people. But, you know, right now it's definitely hit me hard with Christopher Lee. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. you know, so that was our pretty much our wrap up of the first half of 2015 with the cult following crew here. Uh, I am Victor Marino. Kirby Nelson. What are we showing next time? Uh, well, well you were supposed to say your name, but that's <laughs> yeah, cool. Adam. Adam. No, that's my new name. I just went, to, the, we went to court Adam today. Well. Showing. And as always, you can find Cult Following on iTunes. Just look for Cult Following. 
We're also on the web at cultfollowing.co and on SoundCloud. And join the Cult Classics crew this Saturday, the 20th of June, where we will be watching Jaws brought to you by Zia Records and Cult Classics. Tickets available at all Zia locations and at jaws.brownpapertickets.com. So until next time, this is Victor Marino. Kirby. Yes. And Adam. Bye-bye. Wishing you all a lovely afternoon and hail Satan. I'm told that I have hobbit feet.